Krishnaya Tubhyam Namaha The name of the 10th skandha which we'll be starting today is Krishnaya Tubhyam Namaha which is the name of this podcast Now this skandha is the longest skandha which has 90 chapters 3946 verses and it deals with lord's incarnation in all his glory which is called the purna avatar in the form of shri krishna it is divided into two halves the first half comprises of 49 chapters purva arth which deals with krishna's boyhood and ends with killing of kans his mama that is his uncle who was king of mathura and the second half it comprises of 41 chapters it is it is called uttar ard uttar ard dealing with manhood days of krishna which involves political activities and reestablishment of order and harmony in the society the next skand that is the 11th skand it deals with teachings of krishna to uddhava who was a great devotee and his departure from the human world taking these two skand that is 10th and 11th together we may divide life of shri krishna into three phases krishna the blue boy of rindavan his childhood days then krishna the king maker his adulthood and krishna the world teacher as we have seen uh, kama that is the insatiable lust for enjoyment of worldly pleasures is the greatest obstacle in the path of spiritual evolution evolution this is indeed extremely difficult to overcome it puts innumerable apparels and residing in one's own bosom deludes even the wise and the learned men the glitter of greatness and glory of the royal personages described in the ninth skand is likely to entice one into world of imagination of possible human human greatness and worldly achievements and create a desire to follow their paths bhagavat cautions such minds against their fancies it says these great kings and asuras were all highly learned persons and ever victorious still in spite of their wisdom they were fondly attached to the world at last time engulfed them all with their unfulfilled ambitions and achievements they all passed away to become mere memories or names all this literary effort of mine in narrating their stories has been to generate a new necessary discrimination and dispassion they are flowery narrations and do not concern with the absolute truth on other hand the sin destroying stories of shri krishna sung by the mahatmas are to be heard daily which alone will bestow the state of supreme perfection kama is the outward flow of mind towards objects of desire its field is the ever changing transient world of things and happenings wherein it fancies it would get all its fulfillments the truth is however that it only grows in dimensions like the fire which is sought to be extinguished by pouring oil over it the remedy lies in turning its directions to the lord where alone it will find its total fulfillment nirodh is the subject of 10th skand 
the tenth skand deals with the topic nirodh which is explained as pralay that is dissolution of the mind in god through listening to and contemplating upon the devotional narratives and divine excellences described therein what therefore should be done is to restrain the flow of mind into the ever changing fields of fleeting happiness and hold it still at the altar of the lord with all the love understanding and surrender one is capable of and surrender generating within one's self that is chitta vritti nirodh this is the yoga to be practiced at such moments in the still waters of the mind that is the mind lake krishna reveals himself at the right time the mind which thus gets absorbed in him and loses itself in the contemplation of his glories will have nothing other than his leelas to speak about such a mind never returns to the lesser worlds of ego centered pleasures and pursuits but revels in the timeless kingdom of the blue boy of vrindavan at its climax this manifests as a maddening all consuming love of the divine the total dissolution of all barriers that separates man from the divine essence the krishna factor in himself this is beautifully symbolized in the love of gopis for krishna there are others who feel the opposite they cannot stand even the mention of the lord's name their mind stuff is so full of the vicious vasanas that they cultivate deliberately a sense of enmity and hatredness which manifests as a mortal fear of the lord or of intolerance when these feelings fill the mind such persons also unconsciously invoke his presence alone in themselves by constant remembrance of him this is another aspect of nirodh of restraining the mind from other fields of thought to one dominating thought of fear or hatredness the lord the ultimate abode and refuge of all accepts this state of mind also and blesses the devotee in a manner appropriate to the attitude of mind cultivated by him kans and shishupal are examples of this to this type in between these two diametrically opposite attitudes of mind there are infinite varieties of intermediary attitudes ranging from predominant acceptance to predominant rejection of the lord in shri krishna avatar the lord has as though thrown himself to all such devotees to adore him with whatever devotion they are capable of evoking within themselves thus he was fondled as a darling son of yashoda nand and the cowherds of the vrindavan as a playmate by the innocent childhood of gokul as a lover by the gopis as an arch enemy by the vicious asuras as a savior by the righteous people as a friend by arjun and so on and on duryodhan also recognized his greatness but confessed that he could not come out of his ego shell to accept him totally even a cobra overcome by him by his compassion submitted o lord i am ashamed that i have nothing to offer you accept the poison in my mouth in all these relationships Krishna beckons them all unto himself and exhorts them to overcome their barriers which prevent them from reaching him. Let us now enter this palace of exquisite beauty and divine splendor. Shri Shuka congratulating King Parikshit for his eagerness to listen to the stories of Lord Krishna 
says that purifying effects of Krishna's stories is showered on all the three involved in this process, which is he who puts the question, he who answers them, and those who happen to listen to the answers. And he started the narration. Prelude to the Krishna Avatar. Once the earth deity, that is Bhumi Devi, felt terribly oppressed by the large number of Asuras who were born in the world, disguised as kings and had let loose a reign of terror in the world, destroying everything that was good and noble. She prayed to Lord Brahma, the creator, to save her from the misery. Brahmaji meditated upon the Supreme Lord and sought his intervention to re-establish law and order in the world. The great Lord revealed himself in the mind of Brahma and conveyed to him that he would descend into the world of mortals to lighten their burden. He would be born in the Yadav dynasty and the celestials should be told to come down and be born as humans to serve him. Brahmaji conveyed the message to the celestials and consoled Bhumi Devi with the Lord's assurance. She returned and waited anxiously for the Saviour to descend. Shri Krishna, the blue boy of Vrindavan, which now we'll get to know how he was born. The advent. In the good old days of Dwapar Yuga, that is some 5 to 6,000 years ago from the present day, the Yadavas had settled down in the fertile valley of Yamuna. The Yadav Kul was constituted of number of clans such as Adaks, Bhojas, Kukuras, Madhus, Shuras, etc. Long before the advent of Yadavas, there lived a demon Madhu in the forest land which came to be known as Madhuvana. Madhu cleared the forest and found a settlement on the banks of Yamuna, which in later years became the famous town of Mathura. Madhu and his sinful gang were destroyed by Shatrugna, the brother of Lord Sri Ramchandra of Ayodhya. The descendants of Shatrugna ruled Mathura for a long time. They were defeated by Shura, a powerful leader of Yadavas. He enlarged and reorganized the vast settlements there and the land came to be known as Shur Sena after him. Vasudeva, the prince who was destined to become the father of Lord Krishna, had descended from Shura. There were auspicious signs in the heavens and on earth when he was born. Vasudeva had five sisters of whom one was Pritha. She was adopted by the king of Kunti Bhoj and was therefore called Kunti. She was married to King Pandu from whom descended the Pandavas who became the closest associates of Lord Krishna. One of the sisters of Vasudeva was married to the prince of Cheti and had a son named Shishupal who became one of the opponents of Sri Krishna. At the time of Lord Krishna's birth, one of the Yadav clans and the Andakas had gained supremacy of power and Vasudeva had become a feudatory of their king, Ugrasena. Ugrasena had five sons and nine daughters whom, of whom Kans was the eldest son and the most wicked. Though Ugrasen was the king, Kans imposed himself on all state matters and practically ruled the kingdom. Ugrasen's brother Devaka had a beautiful and accomplished daughter Devki who had the great fortune to become the mother of Lord Krishna. Devki and Vasudev The Andhakas and Shuras very frequently quarreled amongst themselves. The elders of the two clans therefore decided that Devki should be given in marriage to Vasudev so that there would be peace in the two communities. 
the sacred wedding took place in the place of ugrasen the match was a perfect one and at the hour of marriage the earth and heavens resounded with the auspicious sounds of conches fives and there were drums there were celebrations it was time for the bride to go to the husband's palace in the ceremonial procession kans offered himself to drive the chariot to vasudev's palace and he was driving by with the newly married prince and princess behind him in the chariot a sudden explosive sound like a thousand thunders rang the air followed by a heavenly voice which said o foolish kans the eighth child of devaki whom you are now escorting will kill you hearing the ethereal voice kans mood changed into one of blazing anger he jumped into the chariot dragged down devaki and drew his sword to behead her vasudev was stunned for a second but he jumped immediately and seized kans hand which was trembling with anger he pleaded with kans to spare the life of his newly wed bride and tried to convince him how heinous a crime it was to kill a woman and that to one's own sister kans would not be consoled by vasudev's entreaties at last vasudev promised to surrender to kans all the children born to them at this promise kans relented and released his hold on devki and let her go with vasudev in course of time they had a son as promised vasudev took the baby to kans he had considerably calmed down by then and told vasudev that he was interested only in their eighth child vasudev returned with his little son to his palace in due course five more sons were born to them and kans allowed them all to live during that time sage narada paid a visit to kans and inquired about the affairs of his state and his own person the all knowing sage in order to quicken the accumulation of burden of evils on evils on kans's head and thus speed up his redemption at the hands of lord suggested that none of vasudev's son should be allowed to grow he fanned the fires of kans's suspicions and quietly left the place kans kindled by suspicion and anger became an embodiment of destruction and lost no time in storming into vasudev's palace and killing all the six children he formulated elaborate schemes to eradicate all chances of his killer being born he tortured all those who owed allegiance to vasudev and his group with the result that they had to flee the country or to live in scattered groups outside mathura in constant fear of kans and his henchmen he put devki and vasudev in prison fearing that his father ugrasen might harbor a soft corner for vasudev and his group may not approve of his schemes kans imprisoned him and assumed total power he sent many people to kill all newborn children in the country the seventh child the lord's will however is invincible at all places and at all times within a few months devki bore signs of pregnancy kans grew nervous fearful and restless day by day his thoughts were all concentrated on the eighth child of devki when the news reached him that devki was bearing her seventh child kans's condition became worse however suddenly one day devki lost all signs of pregnancy she became her normal self this confused kans and he was at his wits end to know what actually happened his men interpreted it as an abortion kans's tyranny had forced one of vasudev's queens rohini to flee from mathura she was secretly taken to gokul a village on the other banks of yamuna 
to the house of Nanda, the chief of cowherds and a bosom friend of Vasudev. She lived there and Yashoda, Nanda's wife, took due care of her. At the time when Devki lost the signs of pregnancy, Rohini suddenly developed them and she appeared to be in an advanced stage of pregnancy. This baffled Nanda's household but they kept it as a secret. In due course, she gave birth to a beautiful son, brilliant like the moon. Kans was swore that the seventh child of Devki was not born and it had escaped his hands. He would now take no chances. The next is the eighth child and he shall have it. He bound Devki and Vasudev with iron chains and kept them apart from one another in the cell. No one can obstruct the path of the divine will. Vasudev in his prison, bound by chains, started feeling a divine thrill coursing down his body. He glowed like the sun and was serene with heavenly grace. A mass of light emerged from him and enveloped Devki at the other corner of the cell. The Lord had entered the womb of Devki and she shone with divine splendor. The gods and angels appeared in the sky above the prison and praised the Lord in Devki's womb. In Nanda's house in Gokul, there was yet another surprise. Nanda was quite old and his wife Yashoda had crossed the child-bearing age. They were sad that they had no child. After Rohini's son was born, Yashoda one day started developing signs of pregnancy. It was a pleasant surprise. She was nursed and well taken care of and the day of day for confinement approached. In the prison of Kans, Devki was also expecting the delivery of her eighth child. The time drew near. It was the midnight hour. The sky was overcast with heavy water-laden clouds. Now and then a lightning flashed across the sky and the light and lighted the plains shrouded in pitch darkness. Suddenly there was a change. A light cool breeze blew. The clouds parted a little and in the east the beautiful crescent of the moon of the eighth day of dark fortnight shone forth. And in the prison, Devki stirred a little. The Lord was born. The darkness in the cell vanished. A divine fragrance filled the air. An unspeakable joy swelled in the hearts of Devki and Vasudev. The chains which bound them opened up automatically and they prostrated to the effulgent Lord standing in front of them and praised him with hymns. The Lord blessed him and asked Vasudev to carry him across Yamuna to Gokul to Nanda's house and bring back the newly born girl lying at Yashoda's side. The Lord changed himself into a newborn babe. Vasudev took the baby gently in a basket and came to the prison door. The doors opened up automatically and he made his way to the banks of river Yamuna, which was overflowing. A huge multi-hooded serpent appeared and lifted its outstretched hoods over the basket on the head of Vasudev as if to protect the child from the drizzle and escorted him to Gokul. The river gave way to Vasudev to cross over as if directed by some mysterious power. Vasudev reached the house of Nanda and placed his son by side of Yashoda, quietly took the newborn girl and reached back to the prison safely. The doors closed automatically and the chains closed on the limbs of Vasudev and Devki. Kans, his guards at the prison were awakened from the sleep by the piercing cry of the newborn girl by Devki's side. They rushed to inform Kans about the event. 
down came kansal like a whirlwind and without a second thought snatched the baby from the hands of devki and lifted it high to strike against the rock outside the cell as he lifted his hands the baby slipped from his hold and flew high into the sky it transformed it into the form of divine mother durga the goddess smiled at consent said oh fool what is the use of killing me your enemy has already been born elsewhere find him out if possible but do not kill innocent children saying thus the mother disappeared kans was overcome with grief and repentance he ran into the cell and released vasudev and devki from the chains touched their feet and begged for their forgiveness for having tortured them unnecessarily they were taken to their palace and let free from all bondages the joy of gokul this is how krishna was born what happens next we'll be discussing it in the next episode it is beautiful you just go into that world when you hear this story we'll be continuing it in the next episode since kand is quite uh, lengthy we'll be taking it slowly I don't know how many episodes will it take to cover the whole 10th and 11th skan. I try to cover it in the uh, as much as possible in less episodes. Okay, see you in the next episode. We'll continue the skan 10.